Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scottsdale Big Book Study, where we will not study the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous today, because Harlan is actually in LA. He's at the LAOA birthday. My name is Maria F, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm from County Dublin in Ireland, and I'll be your host for today's study. Today, we're going to have two speakers who are going to speak on their experience, strength, and hope um, on their recovery and the journey of compulsive overeating and the recovery from that. So we will now go over to Chuck C. Good morning, Chuck. You mean Chuck K? Chuck K. Chuck K. Sorry, Chuck. Okay. And uh, how many minutes are we doing, Maria? I reckon maybe 20, 15, 20 minutes, and then we go to Q each, and then we go to Q and A. That sound good? That's fine. Can we get a volunteer to be a timer and just give me like one minute? Do anybody would like to do that? Service? I could do that. Do you want 15 minutes or 20 minutes? Uh, just go. We're going to do uh, 20 minutes, Maria. 20 minutes is good. So give me at 19 minutes and I'll taper off then. Okay, if, great. If you give me five minutes, I'll make it 10. So that's how that works with me. So my name is Chuck Kay. I'm a compulsive overeater. I have been in program six years. I have lost over 120 pounds through the working of these steps. Uh, I'd say I'm very proud of that, but really I had very little to do with that. The God of my understanding did most of that. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, I, when Harlan asked me to speak today, you know, I was really honored. I was happy that he did. And one of the things we discussed when telling my story, I thought I would tell the story about how I met my sponsor. And I've had this sponsor for four years. And when I came into program, um, my abstinence generally was just eating three meals a day, which was an absolute miracle. I was over 420 pounds. I'm six foot four, so I'm a big guy. But anybody over 400 pounds, it, it's, it's, totally, uh, it's a toll on your body. And so just the fact of not eating all day was a miracle, but I floated around with that and I had varied success in program. And about four years ago, uh, the sponsor I had at the time said that I need to outreach to more men. And I really didn't have but a few men in my phone that were OA members. And one of them I called, he, he was out of state for me. I'm from Georgia, if you cannot tell from my draw, um, just to check in and talk to him. And I never will forget telling him that I was, I was going through a period where I was doing really well. Uh, my food was under control. And uh, after a week of talking to him every couple of days, uh, he goes, hey, Chuck, we need to go through the big book. I think you're ready. And at the time, some other people had talked to me about sponsoring what they called the Big Book Way. I didn't know what that was, but I was interested in it. And uh, the Big Book came alive to me after listening to some Joe and Charlie tapes. I don't know whether it's the dialect, if you're familiar with them. They have a, the same time of Southern expressions and accent that I have. I felt familiar with them and I could identify in. And so I became interested in the big book and I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I told my sponsor and I, I said, this is what I'd like to do. And I did. And the first thing I was told was before we get into this big book, I want to make sure that you have two days of abstinence. And I thought, well, where is that coming from? 
And uh, never did find that answer, by the way. It's just what's recommended. And that was the first time a man had directly had me in their sights about the things I was eating, thinking it was okay. At the time, I really didn't even identify with the allergy of the body. And I remember he said, well, then why are you a compulsive overeater? And I was like, well, I don't know, but something's going on if you weigh over 400 pounds. And I remember the fear that I had when I had to confront the list of foods that I have to give up. And it was terrifying. I, I remember it was like seeing a monster in a monster movie. And for a week, it was just absolutely terrifying. I remember saying, God, there is absolutely no way I can do this. And even if I can do this, it will be for a short period of time. You know, I cannot do this. That was three and a half years ago, by the way. And after that first week, and as we began working very quickly through the big book, stuff happened that I really to this day cannot explain, but I know that it happened to me. And the match with that sponsor was just a God moment because I called this guy. He's well known. You all know him. Uh, he does not take sponsees. He's busy. I, I, I estimate he takes 40, 50 calls a day from what I understand. But what happened was he got me mixed up with somebody local to him that went to a meeting that he went to recently. And I remember being on the phone with him and I remember being excited about going through the big book. And I remember him realizing that I am in Atlanta and he is across the country. And for a split second, when he realized that my heart sang, I was like, man, this guy's not going to work with me. He thinks I'm someone else. He was asking me to go to a meeting that was local to him. And when I kind of said something about it, he's like, no, you're going to be there. You know where it is. And I had to say, well, I'm in Atlanta. And uh, it was one of the few times I heard him laugh, a big belly laugh. And I really haven't heard that since. And he goes, God really has a sense of humor. Of course, I will sponsor you. I have called that person every day in the last three and a half years. I have been more consistent with the working of my program since then that I never in this world thought I could do. I was never one to be a consistent person with school, with really with anything, uh, I guess, except my family. I was always consistent for my family. And that's what did it for me. And we hear the phrase, you know, this program is not what we understand or what we know or what we can figure out. It's only about what we do. That's what matters. It's the actions that I take. And if I take rigorous, honest action continuously, perfecting and enlarging my spiritual life with the God of my understanding through service and self-sacrifice, I will achieve recovery. I don't earn recovery. It'll just happen to me. It'll be a byproduct of the work that I do for this program. And like I said, I've talked to that person every single day, every day without fail. And if I miss a day, I'm going to get, I'm going to get him and hear about it. And, uh, every day, this person reminds me three things about this disease and you probably know what they are. It's permanent, it's progressive, and it's fatal. I have to work every day. I have to intentionally develop a plan every day of what I'm going to do. Can't all be the same. Over time, it has to grow. I have to either do more work for my program or I have to do different work. And that's what I'm reminded of every day. 
Every single day without fail, that is brought up and it's discussed. Sometimes that discussion lasts three minutes. Sometimes if I'm having an issue, it may last 30. And I think that's the, the thrust of what I want to talk about. We all have our stories. I love the other story I have about entering program. I've always loved that story because I can really see the God of my understanding working for me in my life, similar to the way Bill saw it in his life. But it's that work that I do, this, that intentionality of waking up every day, framing my day within the steps, working my steps throughout the day and understanding that abstinence does not treat my illness. It's a permanent disease. Abstinence will never treat it. It is the step work that treats my disease. Now, you know, I may as have as many as five to eight sponsees. And I think it's kind of funny because I've never had a sponsee work with me as long as I've worked with my sponsor. I've made a, I have made a commitment, even when I wasn't telling the truth, to stick with the cause and do what I'm told, even if that's the best I can do and that's all I can do. And it worked for me. That's when I began losing some serious weight with this program. And in addition to that, that's when I was really starting to heal from some of the damage that I had gone through or however you want to put it from family life and the things that were really causing my disease um, in the way that it interacted. I was able to heal my relationship with my dad somewhat. He's this, still the same cranky son of a gun that he's always been but I don't have to react on everything he says to me. I've been able to heal the relationship with my wife, not treating her the way that I did treat her and understanding that I have a lifetime of service to her to make up for those 25, 22 years of the way I behaved towards her before program came into my life. And those are the real blessings of this program. The weight has been phenomenal. The first time I got on an airplane without a seatbelt extender and everybody's staring at me going, holy crap, I don't want that guy sitting next to me. I had the biggest, I've got a picture of the smile on my face of how happy I was. I can bend down and pick my pencil off the ground now. I don't have to worry about busting the back out of my pants when I have to pick something up. Those things are wonderful, but it is the the emotional and spiritual aspect that just really draws me and makes me so thankful to understand that I live a life with not all the answers, but certainly answers that some people will spend thousands of dollars and never get. And program has helped me understand those answers. What's the, what are those answers? That the problems are within me. My problems are my own making. And I am not the producer or the director. I am the actor. It doesn't matter whether it's with my children, my now grandchildren, with my wife, work, whatever. I have a role to play. God is to direct where I go. I focus on my footwork. And let me tell you something. I can be a very selfish person. Anybody wants to know about that and talk to my wife. I can bulldoze you. I can manipulate you. I can pout. I can do all of those things if I don't get my way. But program gives me another set of choices that I can use to live a much happier life. I don't have to be right in everything anymore. Matter of fact, I don't have to be right at all. I can just be happy, let people live the lives they want to live. When I'm asked for direction or if I'm asked questions, I can answer. And if I'm not asked questions, then I keep my mouth shut. And it's as simple as that in a lot of times. 
Keeping my mouth shut was one of the big lessons that I've learned in program. And I am so thankful for that. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't know how much time I've taken. I've done something that I don't normally do. I've, I'm telling that story about me and Harlan is just something that was on my mind when he asked me. And, uh, you know, that's this is the first time I've ever told that story. So I can see in that God bringing people into my life that can have a real impact on my life. My payback is doing the best job I can do as a sponsor, doing exactly what worked for me, not putting somebody's crap, calling every day, working a rigorous program every single day, reminding them it's permanent, it doesn't go away, it's progressive, it's sitting out in the door doing exercise, waiting to get you, and it's fatal. It'll settle for me not fitting in airplane seats and hollering at my wife and all these other behaviors, but it'll kill me over time. And anyone that's that's reached 400 pounds knows that there are things when, when you get that big. And some of my sponsees certainly have been big. My sponsor certainly was. He was, you know, he was really heavy at one time. There's just a different set of understandings there than, uh, than I've seen with sponsees that, you know, were 20, 30, 40 pounds. So, but anyway, I guess the physical recovery is not as important. That emotional and spiritual recovery is. And that's, I think, what once we work on the spiritual, it says the emotional and the physical will come in line. So, anyway, a little scattered this morning. I'm very honored to speak to you guys. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this meeting and allowing me to share. Thanks so much, Chuck and um, Kate. That was powerful. Um, and it's an honor for us to have had you here to speak this morning. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Harlan's asked me to share as well today. So I'll share for probably 15 minutes. My name is Maria F and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm from County Dublin in Ireland. Um, I'm delighted to be here this morning. Mind you, a bit nervous. I feel I'm, yeah, standing in huge shoes. She learned at this, at this meeting. I really do. I'll be honest. Um, but all I have to share is my experience, strength and hope. And some of you would have heard me before. So if I repeat myself, I apologize. But it's my story. I only have the one story. Um, yeah, I came into OA in 2011. It was August the 19th. It was a Monday night and I was absolutely beaten by this disease. I had tried everything else, been everywhere else, you know, tried the, the as you called it, the pay and way. Um, yeah, I'd been to clinics, I'd been to everyone and, 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 and back again, like I'd go back again a second time, like maybe this time it'll work, maybe this time it'll be different. Um, and trying to look for a solution to stop the way I was eating. Um, and I was a binger and restrictor. So I would binge hard, then I'd restrict for a few days. Um, and to be honest, I had all the different behaviors over the years, you know, um, and I'd, I'd a wardrobe of clothes that you would know what size would I was going to be, you know, it would depend on the day, you know, will I fit into that one or that one? And at the end of my eating, it, it came down to one pair of black trousers that had a waistband, you know, and that's what I was, that's what I was reduced to. Um, but there was something, you know, spiritually dead inside me. You know, I was spiritually, spiritually dead. Um, and I came in and I cried my way through that first meeting. I'd been in OA twice before. My first phone call to OA when I was 19, and um, it took me 27 more years before I actually came into the room and stayed. And um, and what I got that night was it was a very small meeting in Dublin. There was about six people at the meeting, but and they were laughing and they were happy. 
I couldn't understand that because I was miserable. Um, and what I got from them was hope. You know, I could see something in their eyes. Like, like you know, Bill saw in Ebby's. He saw hope, you know. Yeah, he, what, what does he say? You know, I saw, I felt, I believed. You know, what he felt was hope. What he saw was recovery. And what he believed was, well, if that can happen for him, maybe that can happen for me. Um, and that's what I saw that night. People that had recovered. And uh, and I asked somebody for help. And um, I don't know that I particularly wanted to do what she suggested that I had to do. But I thought, well, it has to be better than my way because my way wasn't working. And her way was through the big book, you know, being sponsored through the big book um, going going to attend certain amount of meetings. So that's what I did. But I remember the, the next Sunday, you know, I remember being we, we were moving. We just sold our, our house. And we were going back to tidy things up. And I remember looking in the mirror and just thinking there is something different that's happened that I can't explain. Something was different. I hadn't binged in a week that had never happened in my whole life. And I knew it wasn't me because I knew if I could do what I would have done it years ago. And I knew I couldn't explain this thing that was going on. But I thought, well, I'll just keep on on doing um, what I'm doing and following the suggestions that I was given. And um. Yeah, I worked with that sponsor until she relapsed um, a while later and I had to find another sponsor, which I did. Um, and I suppose what happened to me then in my journey of recovery was about five years into recovery. Um, I found that I was going to open AA meetings because I, I wasn't hearing the message in Ireland at that time. You know, I just felt for me. I wasn't hearing what I needed to hear. Um, and odd or God that... I was at a, a, there was a retreat here in Ireland and people were talking about going to Boston to an OA uh, convention there in 2016. And I remember thinking, will I go? And I've been in Boston before. Um, but lo and behold, you know, a couple of weeks later, I'm booking a flight with another member and we're going to Boston. And I remember being in Boston and there was different workshops on. And I remember one of the mornings going to, and um, one of the doors where there was a workshop on and on, on the plaque on the outside, it had uh, a vision for you. And I knew it was a chapter in the big book. Didn't know anything about meetings of a vision for you. Didn't know anything about a vision for you. Went into the room and people started to come in, pour in. You know, there'd been 10 or 20 people at other workshops. Here we were with, I don't know, there was a couple of hundred people coming in. And myself and the other member, I remember at the back of the room with our, with our backs pinned to the wall, thinking, what is going on here? The place was alive. It was electric. Um, and, and members got up and they spoke um, and they shared their experience, strength and hope. And, and I was in the middle of the herd. You know, I just felt these, this is what I need to hear. They talked about going to meetings every day. You know, they talked about tuning in. I thought, how am I going to do that? I live in Ireland. These meetings are happening in America. But I did. I went to meetings every day and um, came back home, brought the little cards that they gave us back, back to Ireland. Um, and uh, there's a huge, there's a huge amount of people here in Ireland that are tuning into Vision for You every single day and listen to meetings. Um, it also changed, I think, abstinence for me in the sense that Back then, I would have been of the belief, well, you know, you can have sugar if it's a five and fifth ingredient um, on the list. You know, it's not what I do today. You know, the big book talks about entire abstinence. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, I got a new sponsor when I came into Vision for You. Um, I'd heard her on a special edition and I was brought through the big book again. 
you know, in entire abstinence. And uh, yeah, definitely, you know, living today in the steps, you know, and, and I know today that, you know, I don't work the steps to get abstinence, you know. Uh, that's not how it works for me. You know, I get I get and keep abstinence so that I can work the steps, you know. Um, I know that God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. I couldn't do this for myself. No matter how much I willed it, wanted it, tried to do it, I could not do it, you know. But God stepped in and, and reached out the hand to help me, you know. So God is the most important person in my, in, in my relationships today. And as, as Chuck was sharing, you know, not to cross share, but everything in my life has changed today, 11 years later, you know, absolutely everything. It's like night and day. You know, I went back to do a job that I love all because of recovery, all because of um, the steps, my program and um, relationship with my husband today. That's completely different to what it was back then with my children. Um, and life would be life. You know, life throws things at me, curveballs at me, you know, but I do have 12 steps. Um, and there's certain things that I do every day for my recovery that I need to do because um, I have an ego that will rebuild, you know, it rebuilds. I wake up every single morning um, untreated. I'm an untreated compulsive overeater every single morning, you know, and I need to get grounded in my higher power again um, and do the same things today that I did yesterday because I can't stay clean today in yesterday's shower. I've got to get up and do the same things. And I do them gratefully and I do them gladly because they keep me well, because you know, the big book tells me the main problem with the alcoholic compulsive overeater centers in their mind. And my problem is not food. Food was a symptom of my problem, but it was not my problem. But I focused on it as a solution. You know, if I can get the food right, then I'll be OK. But I had the cart before the horse. You know, I had to turn it around. Um, I know that food is 5% of the problem. The 95% is my spiritual a malady and I've got a spiritual malady I also have a physical allergy and I have a mental obsession you know I've got a twofold illness um you know and I've heard to say here you know I will die of this disease but I don't want to die because of this disease it's very different you know and um, God helped me die in recovery and um, just a story my daughter's getting married in three weeks time my, my our eldest girl with two girls and um it was very funny yesterday she was going for her fitting of her 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 um wedding dress you know and she's standing there and uh she's saying oh god you know the stress she's not a compulsive overeater the stress of the wedding you know I've lost a bit of weight and they have to take the dress in a little bit and I was sharing with my younger daughter when I came home that you know when I was getting married they had to let out my dress you know I was one of the people where that doesn't happen you know most brides they'll they'll do what happened with my daughter you know but I remember the shame, the embarrassment going back and the dress didn't fit me, you know, because yeah, I'd eat my way over. I ate on emotions, you know, um, I ate for an effect. That's what I ate for. You know, I ate for the effect, the effect of ease and comfort. I was always looking for that ease and comfort, you know, that I got from the food until I didn't. And it worked until it didn't. Um, and anyone that's new here today, I'll just say, you know, because it's January, I know we live in a lot of newcomers, just keep, you know, don't leave. It was told me, don't leave before the miracle happens. You know, there is a miracle, there is a solution. It tells us in the big book, there is, we're given a promise that there is a solution. You know, there is one solution, a solution, and that solution is the 12 steps. You know, it's very simple. Um, it's a very simple program. My head can complicate it, but it's actually a very, very simple program. Um, and just staying 
staying close to my higher power, you know, living in steps 10, 11 and 12, you know, sponsoring. I need to sponsor, not for the sponsee, for me. You know, sponsoring keeps me sober. You know, sponsoring keeps me well. Um, and it does something for somebody else. That's absolutely great. That's absolutely wonderful. Um, and I got this for free. You know, I didn't have to pay anybody anything. You know, I was given this gift of recovery for free. Um, yeah, and just turning up and do, doing what I have to do every day, you know, getting right with God, getting right, staying right with God. And, and I have to say, God, I have to say, God in the head today before I came to this meeting, you know, saying God in the head, you know. Um, yeah, because I still get anxious about things. You know, I got anxious about coming here, you know, but doesn't mean that I won't do it. Doesn't mean I won't turn up and be a service. Anxiety won't kill me. You know, the food will. So it's just pushing myself through things that are uncomfortable. You know, the program helps me to do that. You know, outreach calls. Step 10, you know, it's an outside issue, so I won't bring it in, but do, doing step 10s. Um, and uh, I don't know that I have, that I have much more, much more to say, but um, yeah, all I will say is if you're new, just please, please keep on coming back. Just keep on turning up. You know, there is there is help here. You know, we're in this together. We share a we share a common problem. And for that, we have a common solution. You know, we absolutely do. And and it works. You know, I had, you know, I didn't have loads of weight to lose. I probably had you do pounds for us. It's stone. So I had about three stone to lose. And, and like Chuck was saying, that had nothing to do with me, Not, nothing to do with me. And you know what? I would have settled for staying the same way because the pain was so bad. I wouldn't have cared if I never lost a pound. It was like, please take this pain of binge and restricting, being in food um, away from me, you know. And if you told me that that was going to happen, I would not have believed you, you know. And that and so much more has happened, you know, by the grace of God, by the grace of my higher power. Um, and I have to pinch myself sometimes, I'll be honest, I have to pinch myself, you know. And I got to a weight that um, I lost about three stone in recovery. And uh, yeah, that was to do with God. Absolutely nothing. I surrendered to that. Follow a food plan. I followed the same food plan today that I did back then. You know, don't do it any differently. You know, it's a simple food plan. Um, and, and and I remember <laughs> I remember saying once, I was going to finish, so I am going to finish now. I remember, remember saying once, you know, they enjoyed their food. And I thought you couldn't say that no way. I thought you can't be saying that you enjoy your food. I have a wonderful, lovely food plan. You know, I really do. I, I, I'm never hungry, you know. Um, yeah, and I think it's because I have that spiritual fulfillment, you know. Um, so I'm spiritually fulfilled um, and being rocketed into the fourth dimension. You know, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. I didn't have the spiritual part. And you know what? I was brought up in a um in an Irish Catholic home. You know, we pictures of the Sacred Heart in our house. You we went to Mass on Sunday, you know. Um, and I had a belief in a higher power, but absolutely no relationship with that higher power. Um, and that's what changed in a way. You know, I got a relationship with the higher power, you know, because I had the Santa Claus list. You do this, God, and I'll do that. You didn't do that. So flip you. I'm having nothing to do with you. You know, so, yeah, it's God being the director today and thy will be done. You know, letting God's will be done and me getting out of the way. You know, it's not my will anymore. I have to surrender that will, you know, because um, I don't know what's right for me. 
You know, I didn't know how to eat. Never mind know what's right for me. You know, so and I still don't know what's right for me. Just asking God, you know, God, just give me right thought, you know, thought and and right direction. You know, turning my will in my life, which is my thought, my thoughts and my um, my thoughts and my actions over to God every single day. Um, and I don't do it perfectly. You know, I absolutely don't do it perfectly. And that's OK. You know, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing to have to have God run run the show. Um, so thanks a million. Thanks for hearing me. Thank you. So we're going to now open up to Q&A. And we're going to go over to Sue L, who's going to host the Q&A today. So we'll do that for about 30 minutes, if that's OK. OK, sounds good. Thank you so much, Maria and Chuck. What a gift. Um, yeah, we'll take the next uh, 30 minutes for questions for both uh, both Maria and Chuck. Um, if you want to ask a question, would you please raise your hand electronically? Um, and if you're on the phone, you can uh, hit star nine. Um, we don't have, uh, I haven't heard anybody say any restrictions like we usually do with no food questions, no math questions, but um, please, uh, uh, if you did ask a question last week, just step back and let somebody new ask a question. And then when we have, uh, if there's time, then please, um, we'll let you know. Um, and just keep your questions as concise as possible so that we can get everybody in who would like to ask a question. So, okay, I already see we have uh, Jackson B uh, followed by Amy G. So Jackson, if you would please unmute yourself and ask your question. Hello, everybody. My name's Jackson B. I'm a compulsive overeater. I want to thank you all for sharing today, Clint. Um, I just wanted to ask if there was any other things you noticed that have changed in your life that you might want to um, pass on for those of us that are really large I, i'm 350 now i was 390 and since i got in this program i've lost a lot of weight if there's anything else you want to pass along that'd be great thank you well marie i think i'm larger than you so i'll take a stab at that uh several things i remember finally being able to buy clothes out of a store uh, there was a long period after high school and college that I was unable to find clothes in my size. Uh, I had to go either to like a specialty store or the internet when the internet became popular for buying clothes. Um, I remember being able to walk up the stairs to where our meetings were at work without being out of breath and having a red face and people asking me, am I okay? Uh, certainly on the airplane, that's kind of always the big one I think about because I would travel a lot and uh, I'd have, you know, each airline have, flies different planes and they have different types of seat belts. And I had stolen the three main types of seat belt extenders that they would give you so that I wouldn't have to be embarrassed to raise my hand in front of this whole daggum airplane when they say, did, did anybody need a seat belt extender? And uh, I remember that you know, I've kind of been a joker. I'm one of those that will, will kind of make fun of myself in a derogatory way when I was really heavy. And uh, I remember sometimes having to make jokes 
during, you know, to complete strangers walking down the aisle of that airplane because I'm so tall, I'm hunched over and I'm so big, I'm going sideways. And uh, I just knew that everybody was saying, holy smokes, please, Lord, don't let him sit in sit next to me because he's going to take up half of my space. And that's what I did. You know, I, I never had never once in all my time of traveling, I never had problems getting an aisle seat because any other seat wasn't impo was impossible for me to get into. And so um, those those are some some of the things, Jackson, you can look for. And uh, I'll just I'll just end with if you're new and if, if you're struggling or whatever, just like Maria said, keep working program. It, it can happen for you. I was one of those that said that it didn't or that it wasn't and I wasn't sure what's was going to happen. So just stick with things. I, I don't know if I heard you say that or not, but stick with the program and, and things will turn around in, in the God of your understanding's time. Thank you, Jackson, for your question and Chuck for your answer. Um, we have uh, Amy G. Uh, with her hand raised. Amy, please go ahead and ask your question. Um, thank you both for everything you shared. I struggle <clears throat> to get all the things done when I first wake up in the morning that I want to get done. And if I don't do my prayer and meditation right away, it kind of doesn't get done. But that's also true of exercise. And it's also true of <clears throat> certain readings. Can you tell me what your morning uh, spiritual practice is? Sure. When I go, will I take that one? Hi, Amy. Thanks, Amelia, for the question. Yeah, I suppose for me to get things done, I had to change the way I was living um, in the sense of time that I got up. I'm not going to say this is for everybody. I'm just sharing what works for me. Um, I get up at between 4.45 and 5 o'clock. Um, that's what I do. That's what works for me. Um, I go to bed early. Um, I need that time where it's quiet in the house. You know, I love that time, you know, where there's nobody up. It's quiet. The kids are asleep. And it's where I, yeah, that's where I get quiet, get quiet with God. Um, so I spent 30 minutes in prayer meditation. And um, and you know what? There was a time where I would do that and take a box prayer meditation. But, you know, it's about carrying that throughout the day as well. You know, carrying um, carrying God into all areas of my life. Because this, these steps are designed for living. So it's about living through the steps all through the day, you know. Um, yeah, I do exercise. And Jackson asked that question, you know, what, what changed for you in recovery? Um, and that changed for me because that's something that I... I would have struggled with before because I'm only I lost three stone, but I'm only five foot three, three and a half. So I'm quite small. Um, I remember when I would walk when I had the weight and I was heavier than I was at stages before I came into OA and I would walk and I would get a rash in my legs, you know, so you're not tending to walk when you're doing that, you know. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so my spiritual practice is that that I get up early and it's just what works for me. And it took me a while to find out. Because like you, if it doesn't, if it didn't happen first thing in the morning, then it gets pushed out and it doesn't happen. So for me, it's just a, that's what works. Um, and give myself the gift of that time. Um, yeah. And uh, some people will be alarmed at, at the time that I get up. But, you know, it works. It works for me. So I'm not going to I'm not going to change what works, you know, not for everybody. Thank, thank you very much. Chuck, do you want to weigh in on that? 
Yeah, I think so. When I started, you know, I'm a self-centered, egotistical person. I don't like to be told what I what I'm going to do. Don't like to be consistent with things. And I remember I was told, you know, just do the basics. Just do what it says. Go to that part in the big book where it talks about what we do in the morning as a part of our step 11 ritual and just do that. And remember that this program is about the growth of that relationship. It doesn't matter where we start or what we know when it talks about the God of our understanding, it's simply a way to grow that relationship. And what I learned and what people told me is um, when I'm communicating with the God of my understanding, you know, there's a part that I'm having to express myself, but then there's a part that I have to listen. And I found the listening much more difficult than the expressing myself. And I eventually, you know, I had to sit quietly basically for just a couple of minutes and then just let it grow from there. That was very helpful. But as far as what I do, I do what the book tells me to do every morning. I've got a couple of religious uh, things that I'll read in the morning. Uh, Voices of Recovery, or Voices of Recovery, yeah, Voices of Recovery, and for today, I listen, to, I read those every morning, and then, um, and I remember just like Maria just said, you know, part of that step eleven is saying, hey, I'm going to listen to God today, and we'll let God direct me today. So it's not something that I really do, and then I stop in a way. I carry that with me through the day. Sometimes that's messy. Sometimes it's not. Um, but I'm doing the best that I can. So I hope that helps you. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Amy. Um, I forgot to mention that if you want to ask a question anonymously, you can write it in the chat and you can direct it to me directly if you want. I have an anonymous question. Um, I'm in a cycle of relapsing while doing the steps. Any tips for how to keep abstinence long enough for the miracle of the steps of recovery uh, to kick in? I've been through nine sponsors and I get fired when I relapse working the steps. I'm starting to lose hope now. Thanks. Would you both like to take that one? You can give them a soft answer, Maria, and I'll give them the more abrupt answer. You go, you go for a job. Right, I'm going to go after you. <laughs> Ladies first on this one. Okay, so the, the question is that, they, that they're, continue, they're going into relapse. Is that what the question is? Yes, in a cycle of relapse during the steps. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I and, and, and Harlan has said it here many times, hasn't he? You know, um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes a step one. It's always a step one issue, but is there something in an ingredient in your food, you know, that you're eating that's causing you to to pick up time and time again if you're back in the food, you know? So yeah, it's about surrendering, isn't it? You know, surrendering. I have to put down the food. Like I have to put down the food, um, and it tells us on page one fifty seven, doesn't it? You know that that's what happened. They it was forty eight hours of abstinence. You know that they needed two days before when they went to Bill Dotson, it was two days before they were going to work with him. Um, so yeah, I was told that clear, no, you put down the food and you pick up the steps, you know, um, and and also because, you know, there would have been that, uh, what I've heard as well, you know, well, I'm powerless. How can I put down the food if I'm powerless? And, and, and you know, powerless, but but not helpless, you know, powerless, but not helpless. So um, yeah, put, um, yeah, Chuck might say the same, but just put down the food. 
have to just put down the food. Um, so I've, I've got a I've got a pretty abrupt sponsor, mm-hmm. and uh, typically sponsor men. So I will just look at them. Well, I typically am talking to them on the phone. I'm like, you're gonna have to get over yourself. You're gonna get have to get your head out of the sand. You're gonna have to start listening to what people say. Doesn't matter whether you like it or not. You have done diets before, so you can do a couple of days. And then what we'll do is we'll work very quickly through the steps for you to have a a, uh, a, a spiritual experience or probably a spiritual awakening. I cannot keep you out of the food. I can tell you what allergic foods are and why they're allergic foods. And I can explain from my experience what those are. And I can guide you to a plan of eating, either the, you know, the, um, Dignity of Choice pamphlet, which is now the New Starter pamphlet, or maybe a nutritionist or you know a doctor to prescribe you a, a plan of eating. But if if you can't get out of the food and you can't stop going back, that's the crutch. It's just there's nothing anyone can do. You can have a hundred sponsors and it's not going to help you. You can have the quote unquote best sponsor in the world. It's not going to help you. And what you'll find is, and it sounds heartless and it sounds abrupt, but it's truthful. You know, it, it is very, very difficult. I understand it. I understand completely the fear of giving up the food. I had to give up sugar, flour, sugar substitutes, potatoes, rice, beans, corn. I literally gave up at that time anything that I'd ever heard somebody say that I shouldn't eat because I was sick and tired of doing just what this person was talking about, relapsing. And when I saw that list and I looked at it and I said, oh, my Lord, I remember go. I remember thinking all I can eat now is the leaves off the trees. And when I go cut the grass, I may be able to have some boiled grass for soup. And that's about all that I can have. And guess what? I was 400 pounds saying it like I'm going to starve to death. I could be on a sunken ship at that weight and I could survive two weeks out on the water floating with that kind of weight laying all over me. But yet I was worried about my next meal and my, you know, that I, and I literally, it's kind of funny, but I literally thought I was going to starve to death. And I had to be told you're not going to starve to death if you don't eat till tomorrow. So get out of your own way, find a big book sponsor. You've got plenty of them on this screen. Uh, if, if you're a, if you're a guy, you know, give me a call. I will do my best. If you're a girl, call me and I can hook you up with someone. And uh, it's just, honestly, you just got to do it. You just got to do it for the first few days. And you then you have to trust. So thanks for letting me share. And uh, I'll give it back to the moderator. Thank you, both of you, for your answers and for your question, Anonymous. Um, we're going to go to Carrie, and then we have another uh, question in the chat, uh, anonymous question. So, Carrie, if you want to unmute yourself, would you please ask your question? Sure. Hi. Good morning. My name's Carrie, and I'm a compulsive overeater bulimic. Um, thank you both so much for your share. Um, my question, you know, where I'm at in my recovery right now, and I and I keep getting going back. You know, it's like I focus on my physical recovery and my meal plan, and you know, and then I become you know this crazy person, and I see it happening. Um, and I'm wondering if if either one of you or both could 
um, give an example of, you know, the gifts of um, your emotional recovery, because I know this illness is, you know, emotional, spiritual, and physical, um, you know, and how you have used, you know, the program has given you the gift of emotional recovery and any examples of that. Um, I hope that made sense. Thank you. You want to go first, Chuck? Uh, well, yeah, you went first last time, so that'll, that'll be fine. I, I, I think that the biggest thing is the relationship with my dad. Um, my dad loves me. Uh, he has always been there for me, probably to a degree that most people don't have in terms of maybe financial kind of things. And, and for a long time, I relied on that. But he can be a very, he comes from the army. He had a certain way of, of getting someone to do what he wants to do. He would tolerate nothing but that. And I just didn't thought we, we were, I guess we we're too much alike in, in a lot of ways, which is very interesting. And he could put me into tears. I've got a 26-year-old son who's never seen me cry but two times in his lifetime. But my dad can say the wrong thing, and I will be in tears. I will absolutely be in tears. Um, and he is getting worse. He's, he's getting of advanced age, and one of the traits is just that whole toxic relationship has gotten worse. And... I am not affected by it like I used to be. I can be sometimes, you know, program kind of ebbs and flows and, and sometimes things are, are much better. And then sometimes things are much worse, but you still have the same choices to work through those. But I find it odd that the things that used to make me cry, that used to hurt me to my core, it's almost like they shed off my back now. I don't have to take them in. I've been told enough times just because they say it, doesn't mean that I have to take it in. And I don't have to say, well, this is supposed to be the person who's in, in getting in all of that self-pity. So I think that is emotionally one of the things that, that has been very helpful. And then I, I think secondarily, my wife, you know, my wife to this day, you know, <laughs> she, she never knew who she was going to get when I came in the front door. I could be a really nice guy and just everybody, you know, and you could see the relief of, of me being in a good mood. And then I could be like, you know, a horrible, mean, nasty, controlling, conniving person, just like my dad was to me. Now that I'm thinking about it. And I'll say even in three and a half years of, of really focusing on not acting that way anymore, I'm still Chuck. I'm still a crazy person sometimes. And my poor wife, you know, there, there, there are still sometimes I'll have moments when she'll communicate with me about stuff that we can't talk about normally. And I'm so happy, but I'm, I'm reminded just the only reason she's doing this because she's starting to trust me. Whereas in the past, she knew not to bring that crap up because we'll fight. And when we fight, I'm going to, I'm going to win. I'm going to keep it going or whatever I got to do to win. And I don't have to act in those ways anymore. So those have been wonderful, wonderful blessings. Just, I couldn't even begin to tell you 
how wonderful those blessings are that I have in my life. And that came from the working of these steps. Mm. So thank you. I just shared the thanks a million, Chuck. Yeah, it's a great question. And um, how do I measure? How do I measure um, emotional sobriety? Um, and when I look back, you know, the pain of the food brought me into the rooms, but also the pain of my behavior. You know, I wasn't nice to be around. Um, it wasn't pleasant being around me at times because I was hurting so much that I hurt you too. You know, if I was hurting, you were hurting too. And I was manipulative and I could be mean to you. And I remember, um, as I said, I came in on a Monday. I remember the Sunday, my parents-in-law had been over for dinner. And um, I was, I was, I'd eaten all day. I'd eaten all day. I didn't want them to be here for dinner. You know, I was in the food all day. And I remember um, being really mean to my mother-in-law, just being a bitch. Like, and my, and my husband saying to me afterwards, like, I can't stick much more of this behavior, Maria. You know, but I denied it. I denied my behavior. Um, and how do I measure emotional sobriety? And also I ate in all my feelings, you know, happy, mad, sad, glad. I ate in that. Um, and I was so disconnected from myself. I didn't even know that that I didn't make a link. I didn't link those together. Um, and I would try and kind of understand, you know, what was it that made me eat that night? You know, could be anything could be an absolutely anything um and there's a great checklist for it on page 52 of the big book it says you know down in the middle of the page we were having trouble with personal relationships tick we couldn't control our emotional natures we were prey to misery and depression we couldn't make a living we had a feeling of uselessness we were full of fear we were unhappy we couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. Was not a basic solution as these bedevilments more important than whether we could see newsreels of lunar flight. Of course it was. So it's me checking those in recovery. You know, I could answer yes to all of them. You know, when I was in disease and um, and I've often heard it said, you know, when people say, how are you? Well, ask my family how I am. You know, what am I like to live with? What's it like to be around me? Um and relationships have been very different today. Very, very different. I'm, I feel anyway, I'm kinder. I'm a kinder person. What keeps me in that is, um, is doing inventories every day. You know, you know, doing step 11 at night time. You know, was I kind to people today? That's a question on my step 11 sheet. So I have to answer that at night time. You know, answer the answer. And, and I have to be honest, if I wasn't. You know, well, and, and, you know, I'm human. So if I wasn't, well, how can I, how can I do it better tomorrow? You know, um, and as Chuck said earlier, it's growing, you know, it's growing this spiritual, you know, relationship with the higher power, growing myself, you know, changed attitudes, you know, what's that saying? Changed attitudes, age recovery. It's all about my attitude, how I see the world. Um, because the glass was always half empty before I came into program. Um, and making amends quickly that's a huge one for me you know I said something to my daughter last night about, about the wedding speech you know she's bridesmaid and saying you know well, you have to make a speech she doesn't want to you know so yeah, I had to go make an amend about that because I hurt her in that and that's my control you know or what do people think you know so yeah but I get to use the steps to, to be able to make an amend around that to clean it up you know um, yeah, to make to make things right with other people. 
And um, that's a great gift. And that is a great gift. Um, because like, you know, I'm selfish, self-seeking. You know, by, by my nature, I am. That's why I need steps. Thanks, yeah, thanks for the question. Yes, thank you, Carrie, for your question and uh, for those great, two great answers. Uh, another anonymous question. How do you keep the willingness each day to work the program and balance life with partners, family, work, etc.? I'll go first, Marie, if you want to. I am a business owner. I have four children, one grandchild, married 30 years. I uh, can't tell you how my private life is busy. Uh, I've got two kids in, in sports events, all of it. I don't say that to brag. It kind of sounds that way. I'm sorry if it came off that way, but program is the most important thing I've got. There is no balance in my life if that program does not come first. There are no excuses for me not to put program absolutely first in my life every day, period. Absolutely, without question, I don't even ask that question. Because when I, when I ask that kind of question, it's basically saying, I want the easy way out. I really don't want to do this. Now, some people's degree of work is different. You know, I, I think maybe because I got so big, I, I was really a, a bottom level compulsive overeater. Maybe, I don't know. My work is every day. What meetings am I going to today? Um, you know, there are days that I don't. What phone calls am I making today? All my sponsees have to call me every day. I have to talk to my sponsor every single day. I remember when I was really on fire at my previous job, I was in sales and I did a lot of driving. I was taking like six people through the big book. I had just gone through it myself and was newly recovered. And uh, that was like that was like five and a half hours of talking I had to do every day for a couple of weeks because that's how long it takes us to get through the big book. And I was just lit doing it. Bill talks about it a little bit. Bill had a spiritual experience. So things just happened for him and he just th threw himself into his work. That would be another good thing I would look to in terms of the question that you've asked. But he makes a comment at the end that I've always loved. And there's, there's a vast amount of fun in it all. And a lot of this stuff I didn't like doing. Uh, I just didn't want to do this stuff. But something happened over time where it was it's just the most fun I've ever had. I enjoy speaking. Um, I enjoy talking to people. I love hearing their stories. I love to see sponsees grow. Um, I like it when I can talk to my sponsor about private things. He doesn't do that often. Uh, I love going to conventions. I did a convention in Louisiana uh, or excuse me, Mississippi a couple of months ago. I've been, I went to Boston. I probably saw you more and didn't realize it. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. And so I have to ask myself, what am I going to do for program? What am I going to allow God to, what is God going to allow me to experience today? And how am I going to be suited up for that? So that that's my strength, hope and experience. So I'm a little bit brash today or whatever you want to call it, but that's okay. Hopefully somebody hears something that they need to hear. Thanks, Chuck. Maria, did you want to comment on that one? Yeah, pretty much the same as what Chuck has said. I'm not going to say anything that different. Um, 
it has to come first. If it doesn't come first, I'm not going to turn up for you anywhere else because I won't be able, you know. So, yeah, it's it's first. Like I, I came here on the back of a full day's work. You know, I work on a Saturday, so I did a full day's work um, and I come to the meeting every Saturday. Um, and, and my only concern is, am I going to be back in time <clears throat> to host? I always am. God always provides the time. And God provides the time for me to do this work, you know, and um, it was given, as we said, given to me for fun and for free. And I really enjoy the work like I absolutely do, you know, um, enjoy go to meetings. You know, m- maybe not always, always want to, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I'd love to watch something on TV. But no, you know, TV has had to go for me because I just don't have that time. I've got a family. I've got a full time job. You know, um, I have a program. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just and I think as well, the road narrows, the road certainly narrowed for me that I have to do more today than what I did a few years ago. You know, I have to do more for my recovery. That just seems to be the way that it is. And that's OK. You know, that's absolutely OK. And uh, it keeps me well, you know, it keeps me well in my head. So um, for that. Yeah. Yes. OK, thank you. Thank you, Anonymous, for that question. And uh... We have probably one, uh, there's one last question here in the chat. And this is, it's for Chuck. Uh, Judith B would like to know, she'd like to hear about your physical recovery, how much weight you lost and has your health improved? Um, well, I, um, before I lost my weight, I was kind of on, I've been very fortunate with health. I really have never had much of a health issue. I've been in the hospital once for tonsils when I was a kid. My blood pressure was always borderline. I, I was always athletic up through college. And then, of course, that's when my weight gain started. Uh, I was at 420 something pounds at my highest weight. I've lost over 120 pounds. I'm about 45 pounds away from what my doctor says is a healthy body weight. Um, I guess the biggest change is I I had the opportunity to start my own business and it required going up ladders and getting into tight spaces and things of that nature. And if I had not had this program, I would not have been even, I would not have been able to even think about doing this job. I would be physically unable to do it. And, uh, it's just a really nice blessing to have an opportunity to come up like that for me. And I was able to actually respond to it and do it. And it, if it weren't for program and the physical recovery that I had received, you know, I, there was a time I was having time. I was literally looking for Velcro shoes at one time because it was so doggone hard to tie my shoes. And I remember like, almost jumping to get down to get my shoes tied because my belly was so big. I just couldn't get down and do it. It's embarrassing to talk about, but, but um, you know, when you, when you're really, really big, there's some, there's some things going on and being a man in particular, it, it does things emotionally and physically to you as a man that that's just very detrimental. It, it really, Harlan will say freely to emasculate you. And, and it, that's what it does. And that's as a man, it just, well, as anyone, I guess, it's just very disheartening. And when these problems start melting away, gosh, it's, it's there are very few feelings. It's up there 
of having a child or a grandchild. It's, it's really up there with those type of experiences. So I'm, I'm thankful to have received those experiences. Thank you. Thank you, Judith, for your question. Um, I don't see any more hands raised. Now, if anybody was holding back, if you would like to, we can maybe take one more question. Otherwise, um, I suggest that you uh, check out the chat. There's a lot of good information in there. And if you can stay after the meeting for a few minutes, um, you'll have an opportunity to uh, ask a question. I know, Maria, They uh, someone asked if you would give your number. Oh, sure. Yeah. Would you put that in the chat? Yep. Okay. Um, Chuck might want to do that too. Chuck, we see I Chuck's did. I'm, I'm an available sponsor. My, my information is there if you'd like to call me. Yeah, I saw that. So please check out the chat. And um, oh, we do have one more. Yeah, that's uh, me. My name is Renee. I, I, I'm ahead, sorry Renee. to interrupt. I, I'm, I'm both visually and hearing impaired, so I can't see the phone numbers in the chat. If we're still recording, maybe um, Maria and Chuck can give their numbers after we stop recording. Also, give them verbally if they don't mind. Sure. Yes. If you and stay on after we uh, shut down the recording. Um, I will. And we'll be.